0: Let's get back to our seats as everybody's sitting down i want to show you guys so as we've been going through the stories of elijah and elisha our kids when they go over to maranatha kids they study the exact same thing that we're studying and so each week we hand out a worksheet go ahead and put that worksheet up just so you can see and so y'all help pass these out to any kids that are here or any adults if any adults need them you know what we do is we, have, we make a worksheet each week, and there's also age-appropriate activities and things that the kids do and the teachers take them through, and it helps break down the Scripture so that they can understand it better and things like that. And so I just want to let you all know that that's how, how this works. So when we're studying uh, 2 Kings 4 and 5, the kids are too, and so go ahead and take one. or you know, If you want to read along as adults, feel free. So I'm going to breeze through this really quickly just because I've already taken a lot of time, and uh, let me pray really quick, okay? So, shh. So, God, we just pray that you bless this message, that you would speak to us, that we would hear from you, and that you would change our lives in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So, Elijah and Elisha are prophets, and the um, prophets, they're speaking the word of God to the people. They're working, I mean, they're in a very hostile environment often, And if you remember all the other stories, they're often telling people, no, what you're doing is wrong, and what God is saying is this something else. And they're calling out idolatry, and they're challenging people to repent and believe and to follow the Torah. And Elijah and Elisha, just to make sure, if you haven't been here every week, they're not the same guy, okay? Elijah is one prophet. Elisha is a different prophet. They have a similar name. And I was thinking this is like in Dragon Ball that Sangohan and Sangoku are not the same person. They just have a similar sounding name. However, Elisha is not Elijah's son, okay? And if you remember that, we covered that a couple of weeks ago. But, so, we're going to talk today about five miracles. Elijah has ascended up to heaven, and Elisha has received the mantle, as Kevin preached about two weeks ago, and now Elisha is the prophet, as Andy preached on last week, and we got five miracles that we're going to go through briefly today. Each one of these could be a message of its own, but... It's not going to be so. Elisha, we're going to talk about five different miracles that he did. So, um, and the main point of this is that God's presence or life with God is not business as usual, okay? And you could probably fill change the word life to anything else. I think I had a couple other examples like lunch with God is not business as usual, or friendship with God is not business as usual, or is there anyone ice cream with God is not business as usual? Which this is a shameless plug for our ice cream van that you know, and we need. I'm hoping that we have a lot of people signed up to help us go out and bless people. Anyway, so, but it's leading to this, that God's presence, when God's presence shows up, things are different, okay? You see it throughout the Bible, and in this case, we're saying God's presence is healing, and God's doing amazing things through Elisha, and we're going to talk about five of them really quickly, and I'll paraphrase. I have a lot to, I had some to read here, but I'm just going to paraphrase for the sake of time. In Second Kings 4, 1 through 7, a wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. So this is a lady whose husband is dead, and she's like, my, my, my husband was faithful, but he's died. And he's like, I don't have anything left. And Elisha says, well, what do you have She's like, I only have this little bit of oil. And he's like, well, don't worry. So listen to this plan, and think about God telling you something like this. He says, go back, go, go around to your neighbors, borrow as many jars as you can possibly borrow, and get them into your house, and then fill them up with this oil. she could have gone, I only have this much. Did you not hear that part? You know, and he's like, do it. But she's a trusting person. She knows what God is like. She knows that life with God is not business as usual. She follows his instructions. So her and her sons, they go get tons of jars and stuff, and they fill up, and as soon as they get to the last one, the oil stops. And then Elisha's like, good. See see what God did? Now sell it, pay off all the debts, and then live off the rest. That's a miracle. Like, if that happened to you, you'd be like, whoa. God just did something. And God did do something. So that's the first one, okay? Now, the next one, the Shunammite son. And it's, so there's an older woman and her husband in Shunamm. they're like, hey, you know, this prophet, let's make him, a, make him like an apartment. So they give him like a room, and it talks about he has a lamp and all this kind of stuff. And he stays there sometime. And he wants to say thank you to her. He's like, well, can I bless you or something like that? She's like, uh, and her, his assistant's like, well, she's never had a son. He's like, well, let's pray for her then. So he tells her, you know, even though you're old and your husband is old, you're going to have a son. She's like, don't do this to me you know, because I'm going to get my hopes up. And he's like, no, seriously. And then she does. She has a son. and that's a miracle already, right? So she has no hope. She has nothing. And then God says, you're going to have a son, even though it doesn't make sense. And you've, you remember from other stories in the Bible, this is the kind of thing God does. She has a son. But then you find out. So it's like awesome celebrating all this kind of stuff. But then something happens in 418. The child grew. And one day he went out to his father who was with the reapers and he said to his father my head my head and his father told a servant carry him to his mother and after the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother the boy sat on her lap until noon and then he died so this promise that he said like you're going to have a son so she has a son but then the son dies so that's kind of like maybe kind of where i was sharing earlier where i was it was like i would experienced things with god but then those things had died or something and that's kind of doubly hopeless. But she, she knows what to do. She goes back to him. She's like, look, I told you not to get my hopes up. And he's like, whoa, whoa okay. you okay. Know, and even the people are trying to pull her away. And he's like, no, she's really distressed. I need to hear what she's having to say. You know? And so he sends his, his assistant ahead with his staff to lay it down. And then uh, Elisha comes in. And he says, okay, we're and, they, and they pray for the child together. He's dead. The kid's dead. The mom has left the dead kid to come find Elisha. He brings them back. And he prays for him, and he lays on him several times and prays for him. And then finally the kid sneezes a few times and comes back to life. That's like a two-part miracle. So now not only has God told her, you're going to have a son miraculously. The son dies because the world is, like we talked about, like we talked about enduring. You know, you endure the hardships. But then God has another miracle. He brings the child back to life. Like kind of exclamation point, like I said what I meant, you know. And neither one of those things... Like, one of them would be enough to be in the book, but now you got two, you know? So, miracles three and four, we're going to talk about together because I call them food miracles, right? And kids, this is not like the food miracle, like if you could eat McDonald's every day. That's not the kind of food miracle that we're talking about here. <laughs> All the parents are like, gross. But that's not the kind of food miracle. What these are, the first one is called, the. the I like the... The title in my Bible says Death in the Pot, so, uh, which is kind of awesome. But uh, so there's a famine in the region, and the company of prophets is meeting with, and so this guy sends his servant out, and he goes out and finds this weird vine that has a bunch of gourds on it, and he's like, sweet, I can make stew out of that. So he cuts a whole bunch that he can take, and he starts, and he makes a soup out of it, even though nobody knew what the gourds were. Just FYI, not a good thing to do. And so he, they serve it up to everybody, but it was a famine. They had to work with what they had. They, it's a famine, and then... The guys taste it, and they're like, whoa! And they say to him, there's death in this pot. Like, it's poisonous, what's going on. Elijah's like, don't worry. And he takes some flour, sprinkles it on it, prays, and he's like, there, it's good. You can eat it. And they can, and they do, and it's okay. That's strange. But that's God doing the kinds of things God does through people. And then the second one, they have some bread. The guy brings them some bread. It's not enough bread, but it's some bread they like, hey, feed everybody with that. And they're like, we can't feed everybody with that. It'd be like singing at a Happy Meal, feed everybody with that. And you're like, I can't do that. There's not enough. And he's like, hey, it'll be fine. We'll pray for it. And they pray for it, and they find, and they have leftovers. Now, remember that, because you're already going, haven't I heard a story like that before? You have, and we'll talk about that in a second. And the last one we'll take a little bit longer with is the healing of Naaman. In 2 Kings 5, verse 1. Now, Naaman, all right, now listen to me, guys. Naaman was commander of the army of the king of aram not of israel he's a he's a a commander of an army of another king okay and he was a great man in the sight of his master highly regarded this is like champion dude all right he's a really awesome guy but he has leprosy which is a bad skin disease so he's in a really bad situation he's going to die from this so he's this awesome commanding person everybody's like this guy's great but he's got leprosy which is terrible and so he's from another country right but then his wife has a servant girl who's like, hey, there's a guy in my country named Elisha who heals people like this. This is a kid's idea, right? Not an adult's idea. Okay, this is a kid, or probably it was a young person. She's so like, I know what you can do. There's a guy that heals people like this. And here's the thing. Kid idea, and they listen. He's like, cool. And so he talks to his king, and he's like, all right, yeah, I'll send you over there with a letter. So they send him with a letter to the king of Israel, and the king of Israel gets the letter is like, what does my other king friend say to me? And he's like, "I'm sending you my commander person who's sick with leprosy, so you can heal him." And he's like, "What am I supposed to do?" And he gets really upset. He's like, "What are you going to send me? Somebody like I'm going to heal this guy? What am I going to, you know?" But Elisha hears about it because the king's really upset. He's like, ah, "Don't, don't, don't, don't worry. God's got this. Send him to me." So he sends it to him. And this is where it starts getting interesting. When Eli- verse eight, when Elisha. The man of God heard the king of Israel had torn his robes when he was upset. He sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a message to say to him. He didn't even come out. He's like, hey, here's the message. This is a message from God, all right? Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Pretty awesome. We just, I mean, we're talking about water here, you know. Go wash yourself seven times and you'll be cleansed. That whole thing, the the problem of your life, like everything's great, but this one thing, and he's like, I got the answer here. Like you've come for the answer, here's the answer. Go wash yourself seven times and you'll be cleansed. Great news, great news, right? Let's read the next verse. But Naaman went away angry. What? And said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. This is a problem that tons of us have. He's gone to the right guy. He's doing the right thing. He's followed all the way up to the end and then he's like and then he's like here's the answer you wanted. This is the I mean this is the answer from God, the answer, the actual answer that will make you better. And he goes, that's not what I thought would happen. And he's like all mad about it. This is what I was talking about earlier, but like telling God how to do things, not the best idea. I'm not saying he won't ever listen to you. There's some examples in the Bible where God, you know, but the point is, like, you don't tell God what to do. Now, it's in, very specifically in this one, it's not just, like, it's not just what to do, it's how to do it. He's healing the guy. God's like, yeah, I'll heal you. are like, I want to be healed. Great, I'll heal you. Here's what you need to do. It's like, pfft, that's not how I wanted God to do it. Let's try our best to not be stuck in the how, okay? Because if this guy didn't have help from friends, he would have gone away mad. And I've seen this happen in people's lives. Like, I'm reaching out to God, and God's like, here. And you go, that's not how I want you to touch me. He's like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, we, so we have to help each other see this. So his, his friends go, hey, like, bro, seriously. If he had, like, sent you on a quest, like, go slay a dragon, and do, like, you would have been like, all right, I will do it, you know. <laughs> but because he gave you something easy to do, you're like, I'm not going to do it, you know? And he even kind of insults the place. Like, not only does he say he's, like, mad that he doesn't do it. He's like, aren't the rivers in my country even better than this one? Like, you're going to send me to your little dinky river, you know, and have me wash it? And they're like, dude, like, seriously, he just told you. He just told you something so easy. Just do it. And he's like, okay, I'll try it. So he does. And he goes and washes, and he's cleansed. He's washed in the water, and he's cleansed. And he has, and this, this is a good story, because he has... And about face, And he goes back to the prophet in verse 15. He says, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except Israel. And the story gets a little weird at the end, which you can read yourself. But we don't need to talk about that. Um, we're going to end on the high note, not the, the low note. It keeps going and it gets a little strange. But it ends good with this guy. All right. So that's where we're going to stop. So um, the main point is that God's presence brings healing. The business with God, Life with God is not business as usual. So, guys, why don't you come on up here to play a song while we do close this out. Um, because here's the deal. All these miracles, the oil, the prayer, the staff, the boy dying, the staff, the prayers, you know, the flower, the flower in the, the, the pot of food that's poisoned, or even the water. He's like, I know better rivers than the river you send me to. It's not about any of those things. It's about God using those things and God's presence coming into those things. It's exactly the same thing that we're talking about. It's like, it's not this water. It's not this tank. This tank is from tractor supply. You know, it's not this tank. And it's not just this water. This water is just from the the tap. But God uses it to do something transformational. And that's what God does. So if you go like, well, I'm nobody. I'm not anything special. Do you think that matters to God at all? It doesn't matter to God at all. And this is the other thing. All of these things, when you're saying, like, as I was reading through those, that speed, or talking through them at that speed, you might be like, some of these things sound very f- vaguely familiar. And it's because, and you'll see in a couple of months as we get into it, Jesus does just about all of these things in very similar ways. And it was on purpose. This is the other thing, guys. The people that Jesus was around knew the Old Testament really, really well. They knew the Bible really well. And when Jesus was doing things, they go... That reminds me of that. And that reminds me of that. And that reminds me of that. And there's one time just after, and again, we'll get into this when we get there, but Jesus multiplies food too. We talked about this. He feeds thousands of people with just a little bit of food. He does it twice in the book of Mark. There's two times he does it. And afterwards, the disciples are kind of like catching on to what he's doing. Mark 8, he's in the He's in the boat with them. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Jesus had just fed thousands of people with like a little bit of nothing, all right? But they only brought one piece of bread or one loaf of bread on the boat. And they're like, oh, we forgot the bread. And so Jesus, not talking about that, says, be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. He's talking about the religious and the political leaders that were corrupt in that day, and they discussed with this with one another and said, "It is because we have It's because we forgot the bread." He's saying he's like he's not. He's talking about the bread we didn't bring. And he's aware of their discussion, Jesus says to them, "Why, are you, why are you talking about bread? Do you do you still not see or understand, Are your hearts hardened?" Do you have eyes but fail to see, or ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls you had left over? Just like Elias says, like, not only are you going to feed everybody, we got leftovers. we got more than we need. So don't talk to me about running out. Like it's like, how many basketfuls did you pick up? They go, 12. 12 whole basketfuls of food we didn't even need. And when I broke the seven loaves and for 4,000 people, which just, had just happened, how many basketfuls did you have? Seven, they said. Seven whole basketfuls left over afterwards, after everybody had everything they wanted. Seven whole basketfuls. And he said, do you still not understand? Life following Jesus isn't life as usual. It's not business as usual. It's not the same old thing. If your life isn't different, you may not be following him. But he wants, and you go, well, I can't do anything. It doesn't matter. Flour can't take poison out of a pot either. Laying on top and praying for somebody or like, you know, speaking words doesn't bring somebody back to life. It's God that does all of these things. And it's always been that way. And it's never not that way. And it's only people that understand that, that, that do this kind of thing. And God is inviting you to do that because the same Spirit there was an, the Holy Spirit. There was an Elijah and Elisha. is embodied in Jesus, and then he sends it to fill each and every one of us. Remember James, is like, Elijah was just a man. God used him. You know. So don't tell me. <laughs> Jesus is in the boat, and they're like, oh, it's because we forgot the bread. He's upset because we forgot the bread. We don't have enough bread. This is how a lot of our prayers end up being. Oh, well, God, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't. I can't. I can't, but I can't. I can't. And he's like, don't you understand yet? When I'm involved, that's the end of the whole show. And so, Jesus, we're going to end with communion like we do on these fifth Sundays. When Jesus was about to leave his disciples and go to his death on the cross, he left them with these elements of the bread and the wine. But it's the, you have a cup with juice in it, in this case, and bread. They're just juice and bread. I bought them at Walmart. But when God puts his spirit in this action, it's life-changing. He's inviting us to ingest his life. He's, he left him with instructions to share this in memory of him, which is what we're going to do. And we celebrate this. We close today. we celebrate celebrating this meal that represents what Jesus did on our behalf taking our sin and putting it to death with Him on the cross and raising and raising back to life, showing He has victory over sin and death and offering us this life everlasting with Him. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His one, one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not per- perish but have eternal life. And that we can also all know that there is no God in all the world except Israel. And so I want to invite you to come and say... When humankind, you read in the beginning of the Bible, God creates everything and says it's good. And he tells them one thing. He's like, I got to do this perfect place to live. Perfect, completely perfect, completely perfect. It's, everything's perfect, it's good. It's like, just don't eat this one tree, the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that. And the man and the woman choose to eat what God says not to eat. And, and so it brings into them it becomes part of them, this sin nature that God has to cleanse. And so just before Jesus was taking the final action to do that on the cross, he, gives his, he's, he took his, the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken and given for you. He says, eat it. Just like they ate from that tree, eat this. And then he took the cup and he said, he lifted it up. This is during a Passover Seder. And he says, this cup, this is my blood that I gave for you. Drink it in remembrance of me. He's like, I know, that hum- I know that you've eaten this sin. You ate what I told you not to eat. Now eat this. And it, it's going to undo everything that's been done. And he gives it to you for free. It's a gift. And we do this in remembrance of Jesus. And I want to invite you to come. But do it soberly, knowing what you're doing. The reason I think he wants you to eat it It's because it literally becomes part of you. It's not an outside thing. It's internal. So I want four youth to come up here and help me serve. The way we do this, it's called intinction. You take a piece of the bread and you dip it in the cup and then you eat it. And we do this. All right, so I'm going to give you this. There are going to be one. One's going to be at the, you know, like how we do it at the end of each So they're going to play a song. I'm going to invite you to come forward and take this. So I'm going to pray and bless this time. So, Father, we pray that you would bless this remembering of you and that you could speak to our hearts that your presence is healing in our lives and life with you is not business as usual, Lord, and we don't take for granted your offering and your sin. Your offering for sin on our behalf and we receive the eternal life that you offer through your Son in Jesus' name. Amen. So come forward as I sing.
1: The spirit was moving on.
0: while we're closing, we have a prayer team that gathers in the back corner that if you need prayer for anything, they're back there to pray for you. And I also wanted to, Rebecca was going to say this, that if you need to come up here and just touch these waters to remember your baptism, I want to invite you to do that as well while you're taking communion. So... Amen. Amen. If you need to take time with the the Get Involved sheet and turn it in later, we will never we will never uh, turn you away from being able to sign up for something. So uh, if you want to help do anything, this is not a one-week-only thing. So uh, if you want to reach out to us later, that's totally fine. Let me pray. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you all next week.